Okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I was in a church one time when they kept saying, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And all they ever said was, Praise the Lord. And they never gave any other kind of praise, like, Lord, you were good. Lord, you were merciful. Lord, you've brought me through another day. Hallelujah. That's what praising the Lord is. That wasn't anything from my notes. <laughs> all right, I like that up there. Triumphing over fear. And he's hatching out of that, and he's saying, Hallelujah. Free at last. <laughs> I, I've told you that my mother was a champion worrier, so I grew up knowing how to worry until such time as the Lord revealed to me that I don't have to worry. But you know, it took a while. I didn't get over fears uh, very easily. If I had to fly someplace, I was I was the only one holding up that airplane, you know, and. Uh, and other kind of things that would come against me, health issues, uh, you name it. And it, it would come, and uh, sometimes it lasted a long time because I didn't know the word. And uh, now I find out that this morning I have gained some victory. And uh, it was kind of alarming. I uh, was cleaning out a, uh, a closet and I was on my knees, and all of a sudden, I couldn't breathe. It was like, <gasps> what's going on? And uh, I called Bruce. Of course, he didn't hear me. <laughs> and I crawled on all fours to get to the door. Bruce! <laughs> and he finally got there, and he's, are you praying? No, help me up. I can't get up. <laughs> I wanted one of those little beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> so I beep beep for, for Bruce, and he came and um, got me in bed. But you know what I found out? I wasn't afraid. I was not afraid. Now, I did call a couple of people and said, please pray for me, because I want to be strong for tonight, and I want to be able to stand and speak and whatever else uh, the Lord would have me do. But um, I had an opportunity to fear. But hallelujah, yes. I was free of that. <laughs> and as you can see, I am standing, and I am breathing. And uh, every morning when I get up, I just thank the Lord. As soon as I open my eyes, I look around. Oh, I'm still here. Thank you, Lord. There must be something you want me to do. So... Uh, Anyway, as you know, our text has been in Timothy. Um, I think it's Second Timothy 2, uh, 1, 1, 7. There it is. For God, thank you, Pastor. You want to come up here and <laughs> no. uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And of a sound mind, a self-disciplined, godly mind. And none of us are unaware of what's been going on uh, the last couple of weeks in, in our nation. And the Lord sometimes uh, speaks to me about issues and things. 
And um, it was a few months ago that he said to me, there would be a return of the bubonic plague. And I said, what? I don't even know how to spell that. And uh, a few, uh, maybe a month ago, I saw it in a newspaper where it had broken out on, on the northwest coast. And I thought, well, okay, we will not fear. We will not fear whooping cough. We will not fear a return of meningitis. We will not fear airplanes blowing up in our faces. We will not fear those things because God has not given us a spirit of fear. But what kind of a spirit did he give us? Of power, love, and a sound mind. Fear is as, as the heart is at the heart of all stress, all anxiety, all depression. And I read something that Kenneth Copeland said uh, as a definition of terrorism. The planned, organized use of fear as a weapon. And its intent is to terrify, to panic people. When you're in a panic, you don't know necessarily, if you're of the world, which way to go. Do you go uh, the way uh, where everybody is running? Do you go the other way out the exit door? Which way do you go? And um, I've already heard people say to me, they're not going to shop at, um, at the malls at Christmas time. They're going to get it all done before Thanksgiving. And I thought, well, okay, that could be a spirit of fear. It could be a spirit of wisdom. I don't know. Uh, personally, I don't go to malls. I do most of my shopping on the Internet. And um, now I will take the kids occasionally to see what they would like. But we don't have to cope with fear or the oppression that comes to us. We don't even have to allow fear to operate and to dominate in our lives. And uh, I have good news. Everybody say, I'm ready for good news. <laughs> Can I have the overhead uh, for the keys? to deliverance from fear. If you're taking down notes, um, there it is. <laughs> okay. And the first one, as you can see, is meditation and standing on the word. That sounds like a pretty good one. Uh, the joy of the Lord. That sounds pretty good, too. Faith in action. You know, action is doing something with what you believe. Uh, praise and thanksgiving, trust and confidence, and drawing near to God. David said in Psalm 34, 4, I fought the Lord, and he delivered me from all my fears. And that says to me that we have been delivered. We do not need to be conquered again because Jesus Christ already conquered fear, and death. So meditation and standing on the word. Joshua 1.8. You probably all know it by heart. This book of the law 
shall not depart out of my mouth. Well, I, as a youngster, I didn't understand what depart out of my mouth meant. I, I thought it meant, well, you shouldn't say anything. But then I come to realize it shouldn't ever depart from your heart so that it can't connect with your mouth and get out. And it says, thou shalt meditate day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then I find out there are benefits if you do this. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Anybody want that? Yeah. Sounds like a good thing. So meditation, most of us realize it's a kind of a murmuring of the scriptures. It's a uh, uttering a scripture, the um, resolving in the mind that this is the word of God. And it sometimes involves memorizing not that word, memorizing. And I've been working on Psalm 145 and uh, 91, of course, and the book of John. I haven't gotten very far, but I'm working on it. Say, she's working on it. <laughs> so you, in, in uh, meditation, it's almost when you personalize it and you visualize it. You take the scripture, and you know that it is the word of God, and it is our only true foundation. It's our written authority. It's our legal right to freedom from captivity, from bondage, from fear. And the best way to use the prescriptions, I always call it the prescriptions, are to get in the word and find out where is your attack coming from? Is it coming up against your finances? Is it coming against your health? Is it coming against your future? Uh, and then you get the scriptures that apply to that, and then you can speak it out, mutter it, murmur it. For instance, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay. The Lord, Jehovah, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Sidkenu, that Lord and all of his names, that's the Lord I'm talking about. And he says, I shall not want. He's my shepherd. Okay, so that makes me a sheep. And sheep are supposed to follow the shepherd. And so if I'm out in front, I'm not following, am I? So the shepherd is the one who's leading me and guiding me. And he leads me into the lush, green pastures of his word. And he brings me beside the still waters where I can look in and not be afraid that there's going to be a gusher and, and sweep me out of the way. I can drink of that. He restores my soul. Every part of me that has been broken, every part of you that has been broken, the Lord can and will restore. At one time, I was like Humpty Dumpty. 
I sat on a wall, and somebody came along, guess who, the devil, and knocked me off. And I was broken into a thousand pieces. But God came along and started putting all the pieces back together again, glued me up, set me back up on the hill, and you can't even see the damage that was done. That's what God wants to do for each one of us. And when we meditate and stand on the word of God, that is how he can do it. And so we need to make a decision. Are we going to go with our sound mind, or are we going to go with fear? Amen? Amen? And so Psalm 49.3 says, My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding or accepting the word. So meditation really has three parts. Number one is the scripture itself. Number two is your mouth. Your mouth is an organ. And number three is action. You have to get into faith and move and do. A lot of times, um, maybe some of you have seen the pictures from Paris and follow-up things about airlines being uh, detracted from going where they wanted to go. And... um, I have to ask myself, what am I thinking on? I have a little yellow sticky thing, and it says, what am I thinking on? And so when I catch myself with a thought that's contrary to the word, I look at that and I say, yeah, what am I thinking on? Uh, what, am I revisiting what I've already seen on TV or heard about on the internet? Is it bringing fear? Is it bringing doubt or confusion? Then you can know it's not God. God has not given us a spirit of confusion. He's not given us a spirit of fear. And then I have to say, what are my thoughts meditating on? Does it bring peace? Does it bring faith? And then I can focus in as where I am. Psalm 91 Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night or the arrow that flieth by day. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. So if I am going to go to the mall, I pray before I go. If I don't get a red light, I go. I don't operate in fear. Okay, so I am not going to say Washington, D.C. is going to be the next place ISIS attacks or Spring, Texas. No, 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 no. I'm going to say I shall not be afraid for the terror by night. A thousand may fall at my side and ten at my right hand, ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, Romans 8.15, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So let's take one of these uh, suppositions. Let's say, um, oh my, uh, your food is run out. Your pantry is cleaned out. You don't even have a, a can of peas. 
You go to the store, the store shelves are all empty. So what are you going to do? Where will your thoughts go? I'm going to starve to death. Oh, maybe somebody in my neighborhood has something that they can give me. Now, your thoughts have to go to where the word says, I am your provider. I will see to it that you do not want. Because I am your good shepherd. And um, let me give you an example that happened to me a number of years ago. Uh, We were having Thanksgiving dinner at our house in Broken Arrow. And uh, Bill was at ORU, and so he was only five miles away. Seemed like a distance away. (laughs) However, I told him, if you have any friends that are not going to have to be able to go home for Thanksgiving or any place to go, bring them. So he started inviting some people, and um, when I opened the door, there were three lovely girls that came in. And so I had one medium turkey, one small ham, one casserole of green beans, some baked potatoes, one pumpkin pie, and biscuits and lots of drinks, enough for that number of people. And so we all sat down at the dining room table, and there was a knock on the door. And so my son goes over to the door, and he goes, oh, the basketball team. Good heavens. Seven of them have walked in, all ducking on their way in. And he comes running into me, Mom, Mom, I asked them, but they never gave me an answer. I said, don't worry, don't worry, we'll make something here work. And so he was shocked, I was shocked, and we didn't know what to do now. So, all right, first thing you got to do is have some place for them to sit. So we moved the dining room table into the living room. And from the living room, we moved the furniture there into the den. And then we got two card tables, and we set them up in the actual dining room. And then I put out my massive amount of food. (laughs) So it says here, oh yeah, pray. (laughs) I better pray. Ask, believe you receive, and you shall have it. And I ask God, I don't know how you do it. I don't care how you do it. But multiply this food somehow for these seven basketball players, these three pretty little girls, my son and Bruce and I. And they were hungry too. Well, practically all the food was gone. God did multiply it. He multiplied it. He multiplied it like the fishes and the loaves of bread. Hallelujah. And so I didn't have to be fearful of that because I had the word. Okay, there was one case where he did do that. Maybe he'll do it again. And I know that they were full because afterwards they went into the the den and they all fell asleep on the floor watching the football game. (laughs) So they had plenty of food. The joy of the Lord. Joy can deliver us from fear. Uh, It's deposited in the born-again believer, and because it's from God, it is stronger than fear. Say that. It's stronger than fear. Joy is stronger than fear. And... uh, Jerry Seville, a long time ago, said, if the devil can steal your joy, 
he can steal your goods. And I add, he can steal your faith and your peace. That is part of your goods. And uh, Nehemiah 8, 12, 8, 10 says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. So when you're feeling weak and you're crawling on all fours, you have to remember the joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. And uh, in Isaiah 12, 3 through 4, it says, Therefore with joy you draw water from the wells of salvation. Well, to the Jews, uh, this was an act of the Holy Spirit. And their custom was to go to the fountain at Siloam and uh, at the Feast of Dedication and draw water out from there and pour it into a golden cup. And then they would bring this golden cup and pour it with great expressions of rejoicing over the sacrifice on the altar. Well, we know that... uh, It's probably figurative, although there might have been such a uh, happening, as it said in Isaiah. And uh, a fountain is a symbol which produces joy and refreshment and sustains. If you've ever been thirsty and in a place where there was no water to drink, you know that you need to have something to refresh you. God is an overflowing fountain. And not fear, not anxiety, not panic, but overflowing rivers of living waters to wash away and lift all fears from all of us. Hallelujah. Now, faith in action. Sometimes you just have to keep your mouth shut if you don't have the word in it. Executive, executive, Example, Mark 5, 22. There came one who was a ruler of the synagogue, Jairus. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. And he begged him, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him and multitudes followed him. And in the midst of all this, when Jesus is going to heal this little girl, here comes a woman with the issue of blood. And her faith was acting because she kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. So here's Jairus, his daughter is dying, and the master is going to go with him, and the woman comes and interrupts this whole thing, but she gets healed. And and Jesus, he then, he tells her, it's your faith that hath made you healed. So the interruption was a bad news comes to Jairus. Don't interrupt the master anymore. Your daughter is dead. Can't you just imagine what might have rose up on the inside of him? Maybe fear, uh, sadness. But Jesus had a response to the bad news. As soon as he heard that word that was spoken to the ruler of the synagogue, he said, 
be not afraid, only believe. And so in other words, he's saying, stop fearing, stop being afraid. Uh, and, and there has to have been power in those words because Jairus didn't say a thing. And then they went on to go to his house. Jesus gets there and there's all this torment and fear and weeping and commotion and everything. And, and they are weeping over this dead girl. And uh, Jesus comes with his faith confession. And he says, the child is not dead, but sleeping. Well, for the Christian, sleeping is a kind of death. That's how it's referred to. And they laughed all the more. Well, you know the rest of the story. Jesus cleared the room of all the ridicule, all the doubt, all the unbelief, and brought Peter and James and the father and mother who were in authority over this girl into the room. And Jesus speaks the word, and the the 12-year-old girl gets up. Next thing you know, everybody is amazed. What happened? You know, they can't believe it. Praise and thanksgiving began to erupt. Oh, I can't believe this. This is wonderful. God must have done this. How could this have happened? I know she was dead. We were ready to put her in the ground. How can this have happened? Praise and thanksgiving and uh if you would do that with the problems in your life, you will find deliverance. I wonder if this would have been the outcome if Jairus had started speaking, oh, my daughter's dead. Oh, there's no sense, it's all over. He had to keep his mouth still. And Jesus said, stop fearing, only believe. So faith was activated at that particular time. Fear in our lives can validate our perceptions. It gives credence. It gives credibility. It gives power. It gives weight to what we think and see instead of what is truth, which is the word. What you see is a fact. What you feel might be a fact. What you're afraid of, uh, losing a job, may be a fact. But the truth is what Jesus has said in the word. He has said to us, you are healed. You are uh, going to have all your needs met according to the word of God. And you don't have to believe what your eyes see. Until you see the 12-year-old get up. Hallelujah. Trust and confidence in what God says. With perilous times today, we could easily say the grass withers. Those are people. And the flowers fade. They are dying. But the word of our God shall stand forever. 
Well, I don't see anybody too happy about that, but I get excited about it. The word of the Lord will stand forever. No matter what's coming against us in this world and in this time, the word of God is truth, and he will deliver us and has delivered us if we don't let the brain become crazy and think on things that aren't true. You shall know, and you do know, the truth. And the truth shall make you free. We are free indeed. The godly shall be secure. Okay, I'm giving you scripture. Isaiah 48, 40 verse 8, John 8, 32. And now Psalm 112, 7 and 8. The righteous, that's you and me, everybody born again, shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Oh, they're going to come and get us. His heart, your heart, is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart, our hearts, are established and shall not be afraid. Put your hand on your heart and say this after me. I will not fear. Again, I will not fear. Doesn't matter what's coming against me. I will not fear. And why not? Because we cannot cast away our confidence in the word. If you see fear leave, faith comes. Hallelujah. And and Hebrews 10.35 says, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. But there's a perseverance that needs to take place in the midst of this. You're in a battle. You're seeing things left and right. But you have to focus in on what God has said. That's part of the meditation. That's part of just memorizing the word. Knowing when it comes uh, an attack that the first thing that comes into your mind is, I am not going to die. I will live and shall declare the works of God. I am not going to go penniless because my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. So don't throw away your confidence. Don't don't back off from your position of faith. And uh, your faith will not fail you because God is true and what he says is true and it will keep you. Drawing near to God. Well, we do that on Sundays most of the time. We draw near to God by worship. Maybe you at your house have some worship music that you play and you can come close into his presence. Uh, I have a place where I go and I get down on my knees, sometimes on my face, sometimes you know, standing, sometimes walking. But I have a place where I can go. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my deliverer from every kind of evil thing that would come against me. And so I draw near to God. And even when I don't know where he is, I say, God, if you're up there, if you're in here, would you please come near to me? Because I need you now. I need you now, God. So please, I want you to come closer to me. I want to experience your presence again. 
I want to know your voice that you speak to me. I want to see the glory. I want to be in the glory. I want to draw near to you with all of my heart and give to you everything that I can give to you because you've given it all to me. And in some small way, maybe I can give it back by praising you and worshiping you. And then his presence begins to seep in. And where his presence is, there is no fear. Thank you. (laughs) There's another overhead. It's called five feet, five, yeah, you got it. Five R's to victory. One, recognize. Two, reject. Three, replace. Four, resist. Five, rejoice. So the first thing you have to do is recognize the thought that the devil is trying to bring into your mind. And then you have to reject it. I am not going to fear. No, I'm not going to die this morning. No, you're wrong. You know, reject the fear. Reject it. Any thought that is bad is a wrong thought. And self-defeat is a wrong thought. Self-pity is a wrong thought. And I used to have some of the most beautiful pity parties that were ever given, but nobody ever came. It was just me. And I'd cry and cry and uh, feel sorry for myself over some stupid little thing that probably didn't even deserve to be cried over. And I I think I heard Joyce Meyer say, well, then you go to the mirror and, and you look in the mirror and you look terrible. Your mascara is running down your face. You're all crinkly and you're all red. And then you cry more because you look so terrible. And then you go and you throw yourself down on your bed and, and you're hoping somebody comes in. Bruce, why aren't you coming in? Can't you see that I'm in miserable situation here? Where are you when I need you? Jealousy and worry and discouragement. All those kind of thoughts are from the devil. Because we don't want to let them settle in to our sound mind, which is a calm and well-balanced mind. And part of the rejecting is the rebuke. Is that up there? Rebuke. Yeah. Rebuke the appropriate spirit that's involved in the name of Jesus. Uh, Evil spirits are real, in case you've never encountered any or... Anyway, they can usually be identified by the negative emotions that accompany them. Anxiety, depression, hatred, rage, rebellion, loneliness. Oh, that's been a big one for me. Loneliness. No one loves me. I'm all alone. Oh, I'm going to go eat some worms. Anyway, that's always been something that's been dragging me into a place where I have to stand against it. And if no one else loves me, God loves me. And guess what? He knows all about me, and he still loves me. Hallelujah. And so these can feed on negative emotions, hurts from the past, and uh, can worsen that spirit of fear. And we've got to command them to leave us alone. Got it? Put your hand on your heart. I will not fear, no matter what happens. I have the word of God in me. The joy of the Lord is on the inside. 
I will not fear. So what do you do? Here you are. You've rebuked him. You've rejected the thought. You've recognized it at the beginning. Then you recite what God's word has to say about the problem. And um, Romans 12, 2 talks about renewing the mind. And I say you are either conforming to the world or you are being transformed by the word. So you have a choice to make. Which way are you going to go? Uh, and then you have to resist, and he will flee. Might take more than once. I hate to tell you that, but it might. Might take more than once. And then you rejoice in all things, for all things, for all things. Not for all things, but in all things. I'm sorry. In all things. I know that. And so you have to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. And be grateful, give thanks to the Lord in all things. And um, because he's going to bring you out anyway. So you don't have to worry about that. Something else you don't have to worry about. That's my last page. Okay, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are hungry for your word. We seek you, the living and true God. I thank you that you are guiding us. You are leading us, Father. And you cause us to rely on you more strongly than ever before. We lean on you and we trust in you confidently. And fear cannot dominate us because the spirit of power and love and a sound mind is on the inside of us. So I pray, as everyone is going home for the holidays or whatever, that this word will remain on the inside of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Prayer leaders, if you'd come and uh, be available. If anyone needs prayer, then please come. And let them uh, minister to you. Praise the Lord. Listen, I will see you on Sunday, right? Praise the Lord. We're going to be here. Church is going on, right? Hallelujah. Hmm? In two weeks. After this next week, then you'll be back. Right. Next week, this Thanksgiving kind of break. Yeah. And then um, we will resume, resume our sessions. Yeah, that's right. Praise God. Okay. Love you guys. Bless you in the name of the Lord. And uh, we'll see you Sunday morning, okay? Praise God. You're my glory.